Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the Four Man Rush. Hello, Panther fans, and welcome to another podcast with the Four Man Rush. I'm your host, Timmy Vio, here with Kevin, Larry, and Will. And we're going to talk about the rookies and undrafted free agencies. I mean, excuse me, undrafted free agents that made an impact on this team this year. Um, there's, there's really no need to talk about the last game. Yeah, that was last year. That season's over. So we're going to talk more about the, uh, uh, not only the impact players that came along from the, from the rookie standpoint, but, um, players that, that are going to be on this roster for a while. And, uh, we're going to, we're going to highlight those guys and, and, and speak on that. And, uh, you know, uh, can we, can we coach them up a little bit more next year? What, what, what to expect from them, from them? What did they do? And all that other good shit. So. Um, also, uh, we might touch on, uh, coach rule and, uh, his press conference and, uh, what he had to say about, um, some of the players going forward, things of that nature. Uh, so yeah, you know, for now, we're going to talk about who's on the squad. I'm going to talk about the young bucks tonight. So, uh, hold on to your hats, folks. Before my rush is on the scene. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, by God, you need to do so. Stop playing games. All right. So let's start with you, Larry. There's some rookies on this team that, that really uh, made an impact, man. Uh, who, who do you want to speak on um, in, in, ter- in terms of what they've done so far? Uh, I'll go down to a late-round pick, Bramion Roy. Mm. Um, early on in the season when he did get reps, he just seemed a lot like he was lost. There were plenty of plays where he seemed like, you know, he just didn't know what he was doing. He was getting pancaked. He was getting driven off the ball. He wasn't maintaining gap integrity. But surprisingly, as the season went on and he got more and more reps, you've seen a, a drastic improvement. That's why I'm touching on him first because when you talk about growth, I think he showed a whole lot of growth, even at a faster pace than Mr. Derek Brown at times. So he had a couple of dominating games midway through the season, I think in November. And, you know, he came on strong. So the reason I brought him up is because earlier in the year, I wasn't a fan of the draft pick. I just felt like he was somebody we could have got undrafted, but I also understood that that was Matt Rule's guy. But I was pretty pleased with his play, especially down the stretch. And honestly, the whole defense improved down the stretch until last game, of course. But um, Ravion Roy is definitely someone I wanted to touch on because I'm a trench guy. Everybody knows about Derrick Brown. Everybody's seen the growth that Derrick Brown has had. But Ravion Roy is like an unsung hero long defensive line. If you look at his numbers, he's not going to stand out. But you saw his dominance as the season went on. 
And um, you guys come back around to me. It's a lot of rookies to talk about, but that was just one guy that, that stood out to me in depth. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna make the rounds um, through through uh, through the fellows tonight, and um, try to touch on each and every uh, uh, rookie and uh, young player on this team. So yeah, yeah, Bravion, his his ceiling is higher than people think. I, I, I believe, man. I, I got a group with you, Larry. Uh, Will, uh, who, who do you want to touch on? Yeah, I think Bravion Roy's a good one. I mean, just box some games later in the season. How he's able to stack and shed. Get in the backfield, make plays, take on double teams. I mean, he did a, you just saw so much growth from him as the year went on. And he might be competing for a starting role next year. I thought he played well enough to do that. You know, a lot of people always ask who's going to be that guy to play next to Derek Brown. I think that's Bravion Roy's job to lose as we stand right now. Mm. But I'm going to talk about our potential defensive rookie of the year candidate, your safety, your nickel corner, your linebacker, your all everything, <laughs> my player, man, athlete Jeremy Chen. I mean, Ooh. talk about bursting onto the scene as a rookie. I mean, over a hundred tackles, two touchdowns, forced fumbles, interceptions. I mean, he did everything this year, man. Yeah. Sacks, he was used on blitzes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just saw everything you saw in tape in college and in the combine that athleticism, sideline to sideline speed. The way he plays, he plays so hard. You know, he's a physical hits, just like his uncle, Steve Atwater. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> you just couldn't ask for a better way for Jeremy Chin to burst on the scene the way he did. You know, just to come into the year with no uh, preseason, no OTAs, no mini camps, having to learn on the fly. Mm -hmm. The coaching staff put so much on his plate. You just look at where he lined up. I mean, he was lined up at as an edge, as a nickel, as a linebacker. I think they even put him at Blitzen in the A-gap. He was considered, if you go based on blocking scheme, he would have been considered a defensive tackle. Mm. So they said two snaps at D-tackle, basically. So, man, I just think if you're a Panther fan right now, I think Jeremy Chin's somebody that you are going to be excited about for years and years to come, and he's going to have one mm -hmm. of those long careers with the organization. If I had one gripe, you know, you always got to cherry pick. There's always something these guys got to work on this offseason to get better for next year. Mm. I think he can improve in coverage. That's going to be what's going to put him into that league with the Derwin James, uh, Harrison Smith, with, you know, uh, Jamal Adams and the elite safeties across the league is just being able to cover. You know, I think when they teams are able to isolate him, whether in zone or man coverage against their running back or tight end, he had trouble – keeping up with them. He allowed a lot of separation, gave up a couple scores. So I think being better in coverage is where I want to see him improve next year. I mean, in zone coverage, he was pretty good. He didn't give up a lot of yards after catch, kept everything in front of him, made a great interception. I think it was against the Bears where he dropped in the coverage and undercut the passing lane and made a great play on the ball. But I think in man coverage in particular, that's where I think he was kind of picked on a little bit and where I want to see him get better this off season. Just, we need that guy that can be out there to cover those tight ends and running backs and be a matchup weapon for us on that unit. But overall, I'm uh, very pleased with what I saw from defensive rookie of the year. I'm going to call it right now. Might as well just uh, give it to him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jeremy, <laughs> with all due respect to Chase Young, but defensive no, rookie sure. of the year, 
Jeremy Chen. And the thing with coverage, I mean, I did a film video on Chen when we drafted him, and he was taking reps in the senior bowl as an outside corner yep. and holding his own against wide receivers. So I don't know. I th he has that skill set to be able to cover. So I just think it's something he just needs to build on and be better at next year in real game situations. Here, here. Yeah, yeah I talk, I talk high on Chen when we drafted him, man. That's, Whew, that's my that's my guy right there, man. He panned out, man. Yeah, that was, that was a great breakdown. Uh, Kev, who are you going to highlight on? Man, I think y'all already know where I'm going with this. You know, I'm no. going with my <laughs> – Yo, you know, I'm going with my, you know, with my with my number one bromance from, from last year leading up to the draft. I mean, once, you know, it was put on film, and I like to thank, you know, Larry for really – putting up about it because that's what really made me start looking last October was Derrick Brown. And, you know, obviously with him being the first round pick, he's going to get a lot of notor notoriety. But what I like about Derrick Brown's first season was also continued growth because he also got out to a very slow start as well. Showed you a couple of flashes here and there, but never really was able to put it all together at first. Um, you know, was making some, Hustle plays that resulted in some bonehead decisions, you know, um, some unsportsmanlike conduct, jumping off sides, mm -hmm. you know, things and things that had a fuss like, damn, bro, you're right over the ball. Like, how the fuck are you jumping off sides? You know, but hey, you know, it happens to the best of us. You know, you want to find one defensive lineman that's played long in this league that didn't do that. So, you know, it comes with it. But, you know, for me, what I like, about Derrick Brown was his ability to develop and grow and dismiss a lot of the the unwarranted hate and dismissal he got at the combine over his three cone drill time. You know, with these with these with this being the age of analytics and things like that, oh it was God. suggested that because of his three cone time that he was not going to be someone that it's gonna be able to affect the passing game much. He was pretty much Dean look you know, if you want a good run stuff a year, he can do that for you. But it's probably all you're going to get out of him. And like I said, with the slow start, it did, you know, seem like they could be right. But, you know, as we said throughout the podcast this year, like without a proper preseason, the first four games of the regular season were going to have to be like, quote, like preseason conditioning. You know, week five in Atlanta, you know, I had said several times was going to be when the regular season started for me. And it just happened to be in Atlanta where, you know, Dare Brown started leaving his stamp on the game. As far as, like, his overall numbers, um, he had 34 tackles. He had eight tackles for losses, which, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he was leading um, – he was leading a tie for the lead for all rookies. Uh, and these numbers, by the way, are coming off of um, pro football reference, by the way, folks, just to, you know, so we just like to notate where we get our information from. Uh, 12 quarterback hits, two sacks, four passes defended. Um, so, you know, for a defensive tackle, you know, not really eye gouging stats because, you know, what they do in the trenches goes far beyond anything that can be measured statistically. But we saw as the season grew on him, you know, taking on double team blocks and s sitting in the hole. A few times he even split some double team blocks where first part, you know, he was getting blown off the ball, mm -hmm. you know. 
I, I can remember, especially that first game against the Raiders. I mean, yeah, he, I was say, yeah, yeah, he was getting his bat blowed out. I was like, damn, you know. But um, you know, but once he got his legs and got up underneath, and he even credits, you know, speaking to his father about you know, you know, after, about getting himself together, he just started that steady trend of steadily improving week after week. And you know, watching him on all twenty-two, you know, him, you you just started noticing that. And you know, he started moving around more. Saw him play some five technique as well. You know, one technique right over the nose and 30 front. Like, he he was able to move around and he was starting to make impact plays. And, you know, I, I'm just glad that he showed that his playmaking ability wasn't just confined to just primarily being a run stopper. I'm glad that he showed ability to affect the pass um, with, uh, with getting quarterback, you know, hits and also hurries as well. He had a lot of hurries where he uh, had quarterback, you know, hurrying up out of his spot. So. Uh, for me, Dare Browns, um, he showed that uh, he's only showed the tip of the iceberg. I've been saying I hope this offseason, you know, depending on how this pandemic, I would love for him to get with Aaron Donald <laughs> and just mm. pick his mind and techniques and all that so that he can, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, learn from the best, learn from an icon, you know, mm. a, a generational talent at defensive tackle. So, yeah, for me, Dare Brown, he was, uh, he was my – uh, my most impressive uh, rookie for the year. Oh, oh, oh. All right, so Will, we'll just go to you, bro. Um, who, who else you want to highlight? Go to our uh, second round pick, uh, Yitor Gross Models. Mm. I mean, I thought he coming out, we knew that he was more of an upside pick. He wasn't fully developed as a player yet. He was going to need some time to just learn how to play defensive end, polish up his hand technique have a more of an arsenal of pass rush moves, be more responsible in gap integrity, things like that. And, I mean, not without with that saying, I mean, he made a lot of mistakes. I mean, there were times he was out of his gap. That 98-yard touch, the 99-yard touchdown run versus the uh, oh. Buccaneers, you know, McGeorge Gross models wasn't in his gap. And as a result, you know, you had that big explosive play out there. I mean, the linebackers didn't really help him out much to prevent mm. – you know, an eight-yard, what should have been an eight-yard run from going 99, but you know, that first initial eight yards was because Gross Models wasn't in his gap on that play. So, I mean, he had his ups and downs, but I think at the same time he showed the potential of why he was picked so high and why the Panthers were excited about what he can do. And you saw him impact the game as a pass rusher a couple of times. I think he had a forced fumble or two throughout the year. He had a few sacks. You know, you saw him, you know, just become more developed with his hand technique and using that as part of his pass rush arsenal as well as the year went on. And I thought he did a pretty decent job setting the edge as the year went on. Unfortunately, he got injured, so that kind of delayed his growth a little bit. But overall, just looking at it from, you know, the 16 or the full season, I think we saw a lot of flashes of what he can be. We just need to see him do it on a more consistent basis. But I think next year, now with, you know, probably Weatherly maybe a cap casualty, I think it, you'll finally get to see that starting defensive line with Burns on one side and Gross Models on the other. So that's something to be excited about this offseason. Typically, you see players make significant leaps in year two. So don't be surprised if Gross Models is your breakout performer next year and just burst onto the scene with 
you know, a level of production that we never would have seen coming. Yeah, I would, that's true, man. I, I would love to see that, man. Love to see that. Uh, Larry, um, who you? Yeah. Uh, so I know you want to highlight. Yeah, I noticed that my four man Rush brothers are trolling me right now because they want me to talk about Troy Pride. But, uh, <laughs> I'll go ahead and talk about the kid a little bit. Honestly, I'm, I have a lot of optimism with him, you know, more than most people do because he's honestly looked bad at times. You know, everybody remembers that crab walk where he gave up the touchdown. Oh, God, yeah. But he also has some chaos. He also has some bright spots. He has some, some, mm -hmm. some reps where he was in great coverage. I think his athleticism speaks for itself. You know, you can see it on tape. I think he just needs time to get comfortable. It seems like with corners and secondary members, it sometimes takes them a while to get acclimated. A lot. Like, you know, Josh Norman took about, what, three to four years. Yeah. Bradbury didn't actually ascend until he got into another uniform. So I'm just going <laughs> to go ahead and <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and be patient with, uh, with Trey Proc. Because if you look at just the measurables alone, he has everything that you're looking for in the corner. Like I said, he has some bright spots. You know, when Dante Jackson went down, he came in and got a lot of valuable reps next to Rasul and things like that. But uh saw some pass breakups definitely from him. I just want to give our fans an opportunity to open the window for having optimism with some of these young players. Because, you know, we got the we got the great players out the way. We already talked about Derrick Brown and, and Jeremy Chin. Those are obvious hits. But we're digging into, you know, these guys that we don't have that much optimism in, and Troy Pride is one of them. And I think he deserves a little bit more credit than what he's gotten. Not saying we don't need to go ahead and draft a corner, but I'm saying that you do have somebody that you can you can try to develop. And he he might turn out to be a great football player because again, he has all the skills to be just that. We talked about Bravion. I wanted to add to uh, Kevin's point about Derek Brown too. One big thing that I noticed was the conditioning. I don't think he talked about that, but <clears throat> you know he has a great he has a he, he gives great effort on every play but you know that motor sometimes it seems like he ran out of gas sometimes true and it appeared to be like he was a little bit lazy but as the season went on you know the conditioning came so i have no other, i have no doubts that he's going to work his behind off in the off season and be a much more in condition player going into the next season um did they will talk about uh Sam Franklin no, nah, nah, he, he was talking about gross matters. Okay, well, we need to touch on Sam Franklin. I want to give that to Will, though, because Will, you got to give him credit. Will had a whole scouting report on this guy before he even got into a Panther uniform. But, if Will, you don't mind, just touch on some of the bright spots you saw from him. Yeah, this was kind of like my most prideful uh, player I scouted because nobody else really had much on him. I'm looking at the 53-man roster, and I'm saying, who's this Sam Franklin guy right here? I wasn't aware of him. Hmm. There were no, you know, um, Draft Network had no reports on him. NFL.com had no reports on him. He wasn't invited mm -hmm. to the Combine. Pro days were wiped out and canceled because of COVID. So there was just nothing on the Internet about him. So I had to dig into the film myself and see what he was all about. And at Temple, I mean, he was kind of like a big nickel slash safety player, similar role to Jeremy Chin, but not the same athleticism, obviously. But, but he was a playmaker, man. I mean, he was very played very fast, played with a high level of energy, elevated his teammates with the energy he brought to the table. He was all over the field, good form tackling, fundamentally sound, solid in coverage as well. 
And I'm like, wow, how did this guy possibly go undrafted? And then sure enough, I think when Justin Burris got hurt against Kansas City, Sam Franklin stepped in and he showed some of that playmaking ability right off the bat. He got a sack on Patrick Mahomes and a tackle for loss on back-to-back plays. The next week in Atlanta, he's makes a nice pass breakup in the end zone against Julio Jones. And he just made, and I mean, he made his fair share of mistakes as well, some blown coverages and miscommunications. But you expect that from an undrafted free agent rookie learning a new position. Mm-hmm. But you can live with that stuff when he makes the kind of plays that he made. Now, unfortunately, he got injured a couple weeks after that Atlanta game. And I think after that, Justin Burris came back and assumed the starting role again. So we didn't really get that many reps other than special teams. But I fully expect him next year to be competing for that starting spot. I mean, with him and Jeremy Chin on the field together, mm. I think, you know, it could be a potential nice little safety duo right there. Got to hand it to this uh, this rule uh, coaching staff, and uh, I'm, I'm assuming that, that is, that's, is it his people that are, are on the scouting team or, 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 or are they left over from the Rivera era? What was your question yet, Tim? I was asking uh, uh, the scouting team that we have, um, our scouts, are, are they are they rules people or are they tempers people? Oh, yeah. No, nah, this is a um, large majority of his, uh, his tempers. I mean, um, um, rules people that he uh, brought over. Word. They did a good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did a good job. Uh, Kev, so anybody else you want to you want to spotlight tonight? Yeah, um, I want to spotlight, believe it or not, and I'm going to get us to go because, you know, I'm a trench guy, but uh, I want to talk about our seven-round pick, um, Stanley um, Thomas Oliver. Now, he didn't get a lot of playing time beginning. A lot of his playing time came towards the end of the season. But, you know, as expected, you know, got exposed. I I saw him give up a touchdown. But I also saw him compete and play good coverage and, you know, show that, when given a chance and get reps that he can, that he can grow and develop him and become a part of the rotation in our defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I never saw him get blown off the ball. He didn't seem, you know, phased by playing, you know, man press coverage. Uh, he was just someone that I've seen uh, make a few, you know, jarring hits as well. So, you know, he played largely special teams though, but when he did get chance, you know, when, I think when injuries came, I think he started getting some reps. Um, you know, when Dante Jackson was out and um, I think when Cornetto went out that, you know, he got his chance and opportunity. Again, this is probably a player that, you know, we won't see really show what he can do until, you know, year two, year three. More likely, you know, year three just depends on how things go. But he's definitely a player that's, that I see I'm – I'm spelling with a lowercase. I see a little bit of dog in him, you know, D-O-G. You know, I can't say D-A-W-G just yet. <laughs> But I, I, I see I see the feistiness in him. I see he goes out there, he competes. I see him going out there and he's you know, he's you know, he seems like he's unafraid and you know, if he does give up make a mistake or give up a bad play, you know, he's looking to make up for it the next. So he's someone that I'm excited uh to get an opportunity to continue to grow, get a full off season and you know, I don't know who possibly, you know, he can align with to work with in the off season. I know he came from uh Florida Atlantic, I think, or was it Florida International? I'm not sure, hmm. but um, but yeah, I definitely like to see him get the opportunity to, you know, just work perfect his craft and 
and show what he got because, you know, just like Troy Pride, uh, this kid also has the twos. He was a former wide receiver, and one of his strengths coming into the draft was his ability to um, understand routes and, you know, be in good position on that. That was something that I remember reading about his profile after we drafted him was uh, his ability to recognize and jump routes. So that's just something I look forward to him uh, continue to uh, work and improve on. Right on, man. Right on. I'll tell you, man, we got some we got some kids that are going to grow into uh, some uh, some some prime players. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, is there anybody else you guys want to touch on? Um, Will, Larry. Yeah, I think another guy that stepped in and played significant snaps late in the year is uh, Miles Hartsfield. Uh, this uh, guy, was, he was interesting because he was one of a very productive high school running back. And I think he converted to defensive back at Ole Miss. Now, this year we had some injuries and in running back, and he got two carries in one game. So he did play running back for us as well. But then later in the year, I think, I don't know if he just beat out Corn Elder or Corn got hurt. He started assuming that role of that starting nickel, and he played very well. I think it was beginning against uh, Green Bay. But he's just a football player, man. He got good instincts, good tackler, you know, makes plays on the ball when he's targeted still like franklin he's a developmental guy that has a lot to learn and grow but you're just excited about to see him get the kind of reps that he did as an undrafted free agent in his first year and just the kind of athlete you have to be to be able to be our emergency running back i mean i think in the scrimmage he actually did play running back and scored a touchdown hmm. so just that type of athleticism to be able to play running back play corner play nickel play safety he can play all over the field just like chin and franklin you're starting to really see a theme with the kind of players Phil Snow likes. You know, that can, he can, like chess pieces, they can put all over the board and do different things for you. So yeah. it, it's another guy to look out for next year. What kind of growth will we see from him from year one to year two? <sighs> I can't wait, man. This, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting. Got a, got a lot of young, impactful players, man. And then the draft. But, you know, we'll talk about the draft later. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, Larry, is there anybody else you want to talk about? No, I think that covers it for me. You know, I'm more of a trench guy. And we got a lot of talking about Brevion Roy and Derek Brown. So um, I can't think of anybody else that I that's been on my radar. You know, I wanted to touch on Pride. I wanted to touch on Sam Franklin, even though that's not my expertise. But I agree with Will when it comes to Rules philosophy and Snow's philosophy, just getting guys that can play football. I think a lot of people forget that. At the end of the day, you got to find guys that love to play football. And I think what we're touching on is part of what the culture is going to be because, you know, it's a lot of NFL guys that just don't care. They just want that check and they go home. And you can see it Mm. on the field. My guys are just coming for a paycheck. But I think the culture is changing in the way in which we're getting guys that want to play football and that they just are thirsty for the opportunity. Sam Franklin – Oliver, all these the Hartsfield, all of these guys are just they're trying to earn their way into the league. And it's good to have guys like that because they push everybody else. So if I had to rate the overall rookie class, I would say it's better than last year's, to be honest with you, in the year before last, because all of these guys, not because they're better players, but all of these guys came in and had to make an impact, and they did that. True facts. So <laughs> I guess things are on the up and up. I guess we can touch on not touch on but i guess that just 
shines a light on Herney's exit because now we're drafting <laughs> football players that are coming in and, and actually making an impact on the game. We haven't had that in so long, man. Oh, it's man. like if it's not a first or second round pick, you could pretty much throw the rest of the draft away, but we, we got a difference this year. All of these guys yeah. came in and played football. Yes, sir. So it makes you excited about Panther football going forward because you got yeah. real football players that want to do it. I, I guarantee the guys see that in the locker room, man. The veterans see that in the locker room. It motivates them. That's why they were talking about Chen as being, you know, the guy they looked up to on defense. I'm like, damn, this dude just came in the locker room, y'all. But it's it's like that. Like Wasn't that it funny when to hear Whitehead said, "Oh, we look up the, we look yeah. up the Jeremy Chen." It's like this is like week week four. Man, like you got a you got a C on your chest. You a captain, and you looking up to this rookie, bruh. <laughs> but Chen earned them stripes, boy. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a real deal, real fucking deal. Well, I mean, I, I can't imagine we find so another another talent like that. In the draft this upcoming year, but anyway, we're not talking about the draft. I'm not doing that shit. <laughs> but um, so Coach Rule, uh, you know, obviously had a presser or two um, since the game Sunday. Um, I will. I, I know. You, I know you heard some. I know you heard some. Some of his words. Uh, mind getting, giving us a synopsis of what he said? Yeah, basically a lot of coach talk. I think we learned last year. At these pressers, you know, everybody wants to take a piece of what he said and try to make it into a whole storyline, a whole narrative, <laughs> a whole article, draw conclusions about everything that's going to happen. I mean, it's pretty much take it for what it is. You know, I think the hot topic, which I mean, we'll probably touch on later in the offseason, was the quarterback position and how to address that. I mean, there's no secret, you know, Teddy, his last six games weren't great. So I think it just leaves the door open for the team to look for a rookie quarterback to groom for the future in the draft. So, I mean, we'll, we got plenty of time to get into that. I won't go too much details as far as that goes. I mean, he did say some other things about the types of players he wants, just guys that love football and want to be here, hmm. how to establish a culture. He wants to establish a culture, guys that are going to buy in. He wants a general manager that will also work hand-in-hand hand with him and also be a part of that culture that he's trying to establish here so mm. so i mean he, he gave a lot of good details about what his plans are going to be i think this will kind of be his first normal off season hopefully because if you remember last year he didn't even get to see his players until august nah, with this covid situation so this will be his first otas his first mini camp mm. and one thing to look out for i think cincinnati's coaching staff declined the their opportunity to coach at the senior bowl hmm. so i think only um coaching staffs that are returning from last year can participate so that we may have an opportunity to where matt rule can coach either the north or south squad or east or west however they do it for the senior bowl this year so that's hmm. give him a good opportunity to work for a lot of these players and identify some prospects to get on those day two and day three of the draft so that's something to keep out for as well because keep in mind, I mean, the work he was able to do on day three and undrafted free agency this year, I mean, we didn't even talk about these other guys that got in and contributed. The punter, Joe Charlton, was an undrafted free agent rookie from South Carolina. Mm. I mean, he played extremely well this year. I think he got special teams player of the week against the Washington team last week. He, um, if you remember in training camp, he punted the ball out of the stadium on the Mint Street 
everybody was laughing at him. And now he was able to come back in December and win special teams player of the week. Just see the kind of growth he has. So that might put uh, Pilardi on notice next year. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy, uh, Rodney Smith, the running back, got a lot of reps. And, you know, subbing out for uh, Mike Davis. So, I mean, it's off season here. I think we're going to really see more of what Matt Rule's all about, his scouting ability, guys he can find. Because the draft's longer than one round, y'all. I think a lot of fans tend to forget that. We spend so much time arguing and whining and worrying about who they're going to pick in the first round. But the thing is, if you want to be a consistent winner, we need more than that. you got to hit on day two, day three an undrafted free agency to build that roster depth. So that, that's what I want to look out for this year. Can he have another draft, an undrafted free agent class this year like he did last year? Kevin, did, did you want to touch on it? You know, uh, Coach Rule or the uh, press conference, did you hear anything uh, else? Or? Um, just real quickly, just want to you know re- reiterate the fact that, you know, a lot of fans, particularly the last few meet after the Washington game was upset because we won because it affected, you know, our draft status, because (laughs) had we lost that game in addition to the saints, we actually would be picking fourth right now instead of eighth. So I like the way that, you know, Matt rule at the end of the season, you know, addressed that, you know, with his um, end of the season presser, Uh, you know, the guys in locker room don't give a damn about draft status. You know, they care about winning. And when you care about winning, even if the results don't always match. That's a good sign to build upon as far as, you know, learning to what it takes to build a winning culture um, around here. And speaking of Charlton, I think he even used him as an example of saying that how, you know, what if he told him, you know, not to punt the ball as good so they can have good position and things of that nature. Uh, he was just saying that. And he's just like, that's just not who he is. He, he said, if that's how it's going to be, I don't want to be a part of it. So I like the fact that he, um, um, that you know, he just pretty much nipped it in the bud with a lot of Panther social media were, and and matter of fact, still in their feelings about, I mean, hell, you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, for the last past, what, 10 years, they've been top five, at least six or seven of those years. And, you know, what has that gotten them? So, uh, you know, this, you know, as we we'll reiterate it, it's, it's other rounds. Now, this year, we only got six picks. Uh, we gave up our seventh rounder a few years ago when we traded for um, Hunter um, Andy Lee from when we got from Cleveland. So that's that's the reason why we don't have a seventh round pick. So as of right now, we have uh, six picks. I know we ain't trying to reiterate on the draft, but just talking about, you know, what resources are going to be available to build upon this team. Um you know, moving forward, uh, extremely tight salary cap situation coming up. So, um, yeah, uh, Matt Rule and this front office definitely had their work cut out for them um, to see how they're going to, you know, build upon this season and add to the foundation that was laid in 2020. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Larry, uh, anything you want to you uh, reiterate or expand upon? Yeah, so uh, one thing that came up, one of my biggest takeaways from uh, the interview with Matt Rule is he's been consistent as far as what he wants. You know, the thing that's unorthodox to me is that usually a GM comes in and decides who the coach is and the philosophy is going to be. So it's going to be interesting for me to see 
how that's going to work out as far as Matt Rule's contract and him having so much control over the team. Honestly, I like the idea of it because I can already tell, just like I told you about the last draft, you know, we're getting great football players, so whoever comes in, it's going to have to be a good marriage. I think he did discuss that, but you're going to have to have a guy that can that can be in the, that can assist Matt Rule in his vision. And I think that's just like I said, it's unorthodox, but I'm interested. In, I'm interested in seeing how that's going to work out. But that's really it. I think Will covered most of what I wanted to talk about. He always does an outstanding job at that. But can we just get to the draft? Like, can we get to the combine, man? I, oh, man, I want to get to the draft. Man. The combine is going to tell me a lot, but I, I just I'm ready for next season because I'm tired of losing. That's just my thing. <laughs> We might lose a lot next year too, but I don't know, I'm man. Looking, I'm looking forward to moving on. We we get a we get a healthy Christian McCaffrey back, and they actually do something about this old line. We might we we're we're not gonna lose as many games as we did this year. Man, man, I feel you, man. I, I, I'm ready for that draft too, dude. I I'm I am I am <laughs> I am <laughs> I really am. All right, so uh, gentlemen, uh, many uh, party shots. Yeah, uh, as far as any party shots for me, as always, we always want to make sure we let our fans know that we thank them for uh, being a part of the Four Man Rush family. Um, your interactions in the different social media areas uh, are always entertaining. And, um, you know, even when we disagree, it's still with all love. You know, it's never personal for us. Uh, you know, we do take pride in our work and our research. So when we, you know, share what we share, we're not just speaking at it out of just, you know, a, a, a passionate fan with no substance. You know, we're coming from a place where where we really, you know, took the time to, you know, invest in seeing what's really going on, whether our personal feelings like it or not. So just like to make, mention that. And now that the season over, um, I'm just looking forward to, uh, us putting together uh, this draft content, um, we we gonna we gonna shake up social sort of media this all season. This this you know this shit right here. <laughs> the content's gonna be nice, people. Yes, yes, indeed. So you know we got some guys that's behind the scenes of the Foreman Rush that many of you probably don't know that are extremely talented young men and have a passion and a knowledge and a desire you know for this team to. To be, but like the rest of us, you know, they're gonna tell it like a TI is. So, you know, you know, deal with the truth. Now, it may not call to your feelings, but yeah, it'll truth. It'll set you free, Jack. It'll set you free. <laughs> Will do you everything that? Nah, just you know, the rule year one of the rule era is over. To me, this was kind of the trial period. So now we start to get to see some real moves being made and get to evaluate them without having a grade on a curve. So I think this is going to be an exciting off season. You know, so I'm actually one of the few times I'm actually looking forward to the off season more than the regular season. So hmm. let's get the ball rolling. We get through these playoffs and the Super Bowl after that. You know, we'll see where direction we go. I mean, it starts with hiring a new GM. We'll see what they do with that. Then hmm. we'll, you know, get down and dirty and start getting into that college film. Oh, yeah, baby. Play a personnel. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait, bro. I can't wait. I feel you. I'm, I'm excited too, man. 
I see a yeah, lot of and just, for this team. And just one name I want to throw out there to so our fans because we're definitely going to be bringing his name up. You know, once you know we get this everything just started with the fragrancy. Our capologist Samir Suleiman, he's going to earn his money big time this coming off season off gate because uh, as as of right now, the 2020 salary cap was at 198. They're forecasting it as of now to go down to 175 due to huge revenue losses due to this pandemic. Oh, yeah. There is some talk and rumblings that they're going to see if they can at least get it back to the same amount. If that does, that would allow us to be able to, in my estimation, you know, be able to resign both Curtis Samuel and Taylor Moten. But uh, Samir Suleiman is somebody that, uh, that we're going to be saying quite often. Um, renowned, you know, mm. cap guy that uh, really – does nothing but team friendly deals. So mm-hmm. we uh he uh he's got a challenge waiting for him. So I'm looking forward to see how things play out that uh that allow him to do what he's gonna do. Stay tuned folks. Stay tuned. We got a lot of stuff coming your way and there's gonna be a lot of stuff going down between now and August. So hey <laughs> we're glad you're here with us and please stay tuned. Please stay tuned. We have we have a lot of information for you and some great entertainment as well. So um, on behalf of Larry, uh, Kevin, and Will, and uh, myself, obviously, uh, we would like to appreciate, I mean, excuse me, we'd like to thank you guys, and we do appreciate you uh, for hanging out with us on the Four Man Rush Podcast once again. Episode 80, folks. 8 0, the big 8 0. The Ian Thomas <laughs> episode. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah. Uh, we appreciate you guys, man. Um, and uh, whether you're listening to this podcast in the morning, afternoon, or evening, happy new year. Uh, please stay uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. Um, stay, wash them hands. Wear the mask. And uh, don't don't spend too much time watching politics. It's not good for you. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> you, better be, you better be worried about whether or not you got the COVID or not. Damn, damn the politics. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys, man. And as always, keep pounding. She love it. We out in public and we can just chill with my partners and we can go back to my crib and just chill out the covers and do we come in and you love us. The Foreman Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The Four Men Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to the Four Men Rush exclusively. Thank you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 